Hi, my name's Dana Coyas, and you're listening to a podcast put on by Roasted Pepper Studios where we talk to photographers about their business. And this week, we're talking to Steve Reeves, who's a photographer out of Dallas. Steve, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. So, so Steve, what kind of photography do you do? Um, I try to do a little bit of anything or anything and everything, but primarily I consider myself to be a fine art photographer, which uh, means I go out and find things that I think are cool and I take a picture of them and and uh, if things go my way, then people uh, pay me money for them later. So. That's cool. How do you, uh, is, is that your, your full-time gig or do you have a job? How does that work out? This is my full-time gig uh, now. Uh, in February of this year, I uh, semi-retired from 15 years of database programming for a uh, real estate company here in Dallas. So, so when you went from that full-time position to, uh, to doing photography full-time, what was that like? Can you tell me about that? Oh, it's scary. I tell you what, uh, you know, you've got a regular paycheck every, every other week for, uh, 15 years and, and, uh, working in it, you know, I wasn't a, certainly wasn't a millionaire or anything like that, but I, you know, I made enough money to cover my bills and make my payments and put food in my belly and all that. And, uh, kissing that goodbye and, and all the benefits that go along with it, health insurance and all that, that was, that was intimidating, but, uh, but it came at a time when I was at a position where, my passion and my, you know, I guess what was a hobby largely was starting to get to a point where I was having to turn down opportunities, uh, potentially money-making opportunities. And so I had to, I had to come to a decision to either scale back the photography or embrace it uh, full time. And so the stars aligned and, uh, here we are end of my uh, first year. So. Well, how, how's your first year been? Um, it's, Financially, the, the the windfall hasn't happened. I'm not rolling in the dough just yet, uh, but not for uh, certainly not for lack of trying, but uh, but more so because I've spent the last year doing a tremendous amount of networking and sort of gearing up. It's it's interesting what uh, what goes into being a professional. I'll say professional artist as opposed to photographer because I don't I'm not out looking for clients so much as gearing myself up to be able to produce artwork and that's uh getting into printing and tracking down suppliers for frames and and embracing uh methods of presentation for my for my work that I previously wouldn't have, have considered because it happened to be what the market demands. So for the last year I've spent a lot of time uh learning about uh printing on canvas for example or figuring out what where I can buy framing materials that won't eat too much into the potential profit while at the same time networking and, and, and doing a whole lot of that. So I've certainly been busy, uh, busier now than ever before. And, and hopefully it's an, it's a, it's time invested into, uh, will prove to be a, a profitable endeavor. So, so before you, you quit your job and, and took on the, the photography or full time, you know, what fears did you have when thinking about quitting your job? I don't think there was ever really a, a, I mean, there's certainly a fear. There's certainly intimidation and that steady paycheck. If, if you've, if you've had that all your life, it's hard to kiss that goodbye. Uh, I know there are other people who work in the business world that are independent contractors and they're consultants and, and they float from job to job. And I think they, someone like that might have an easier time uh, switching from something business oriented to something uh, into a creative endeavor. Uh, so for me, it was that, uh, 
that guarantee, you know, so long as I didn't get fired, you know, I was going to get paid every other week. And, and that was hard to, to, to let go of. And then, like I said, the benefits were kind of hard to let go. Health insurance is certainly expensive. Um, but outside of that, there wasn't really a lot of fear. It was mostly excitement because I felt like I was getting to a point where, as a photographer, I had escalated to a point where I was capable. And not only that, but I had a good eye and I was generating work that people were really responding to in a positive light. And so when I finally, when things lined up such that I could make that jump, it was, uh, it was more exciting than it was uh, uh, frightening. How did, how did you make your first dollar? Um, selling to family and friends, uh, before, <laughs> before I, uh, before I went into this, uh, endeavor, uh, full time, it was sort of a, a weekends and evenings kind of thing. And, you know, you start out taking landscape photography or travel photography, or, or even just, you know, studio shots of still life type stuff. You take these photos and you hang them on your wall because you like looking at them and, and uh, coworkers or, or friends or people that just haven't buy are like, hey, that's a really cool shot. And, you know, they start saying, do you ever sell your stuff? And, and you say, well, you know, no, this is just a hobby for me. And, and you get that question enough times and you're like, well, wait a minute, why aren't I selling this stuff? And so, you know, we, we put together, we, we kind of lucked into an opportunity to have something of a little show last year, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, and we had an opening and, and, you know, and people came out and it was, it was more of a, a, a friends and family party than an opening. There, there was, I don't think there was a single person that showed up that was a stranger. You know, we knew everybody that showed up, but they, but they bought our stuff uh, and they, you know, and they responded warmly to it. And, and, you know, we made a few bucks uh, selling framed versions of pictures that we enjoyed taking. So I'd have to say that it was the kindness of, uh, of people I already knew that, that, that are to blame. <laughs> <laughs> so so how long before you made enough money to break even you know are you, are you do you live in a van so you don't have to make that much money like how do you how do you handle that finances part well there's uh there's two of us i work with uh, a partner aaron curry uh together we make up uh, makeshift uh, photography as studio and uh, i've i've left my day job behind she has not and so her uh, her continued employment certainly helps uh, pay the mortgage and pay the bills and, and sustain us um, as far as, as breaking even, even, or turning a profit, the, uh, we try to look at that from show to show. And, uh, you know, we've done a few of these street art fest type things and, and we've been able to at least show up and say, okay, you know, we haven't made enough to, to retire just yet, but we didn't lose money on, on, on the show, on doing the show. You know, we invested in the inventory. We, we produced the work, we put it into frames we you know we've started buying the uh, the necessary equipment for doing these uh, art festivals and uh, and while that's sort of a long term investment that we'll make back over time i think in terms of the immediate the cost of the inventory that we've sold has made the shows at least break even so we've been lucky in that regard how is that sustainable like how long can you can you keep doing what you're doing before it's just like oh man i am sick of just breaking even or you know not being filthy filthy rich well, I think there's certainly a um, a date that we've got um, in the not immediate future, but the, let's say the medium distant future, where if this doesn't start, uh, uh, if it, if the investments don't start paying off, you know, I'll have to start looking for either a way to make more money as a commercial photographer, or I'll have to go back to IT. Um, I think 
I think, you know, you, you sort of, you, you hope for the best and you plan for the worst. And my, my, my plan for the worst is to try to do this on my terms, which is the fine art or our terms, which, which is the fine art photography, take the pictures that we want to take. If that doesn't, uh, and we already sort of realize that that won't sustain itself completely. So we, we, we get into doing things like teaching workshops. Uh, we've invested in large format uh, printers. And if we can, if we can make a few bucks here and there helping other artists print their work, uh, then we can offset the cost of our equipment. If that doesn't sustain us, then uh, because I did work in real estate for so many years, uh, turning to professional headshot portraits or real estate photography, you know, I have a feeling that I can make it as a photographer if I edge myself back towards commercial photography, if need be, uh, before I have to say, uh, you know, I can't make a living with a camera and I've got to do something else. So, and we have a little bit of a buffer. So we're, uh, I think we're more fortunate than most. You know, a lot of the photographers that I meet, I don't know what the percentage is, but it seems like almost all of them are wedding photographers. And then you've got a couple portrait photographers, a couple uh, commercial photographers, but it's uh, not often that I run across a fine art photographer, maybe once a year, once every other year. Uh, the like is 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 that because not enough people are out there buying fine art photography or is it a skill that's acquired? You know, how, what's the niche with with the fine art photography? You know, I've, I've thought of, you know, that's a question I've asked myself any number of times. And I think that, um, wedding photography is a, is a lucrative business. And if you're an individual that can make a serious go of that, that's where the serious money is now. And, and I'm setting aside, um, uh, rock star photographers, you know, famous fashion photographers, you know, Annie Leibovitz, you know, and, and, and folks like that. The, they're they're obviously in a different realm, just sort of like uh, uh well like rock stars and movie actors, you know they, they exist on a different plane. But it's, it's in terms of of your average uh, average photographer trying to make a living, weddings because the, they do pay a lot for a short amount of time, and if if you can do it, then you can make a real living at it. I know people that make a a good living doing uh, senior portraits and family portraits and baby portraits, and and other types of just commission portraits. That's, you know, that's the business side of it. Uh, I, I think if you get into more, um, anytime you can get commercial clients, then you can guarantee a steady source of income. And that's, that gets back to that regular paycheck. Fine art photography, that's, that's, that's tricky because uh, you're not only selling your skill as a photographer, but you're selling your creative vision too. And you're competing with painters and sculptors and, and other more traditional uh, methods of creating art. Interestingly enough, if you look up the the most expensive photograph ever sold, the most money ever paid for a photograph, uh, it's it's in the millions of dollars, but less than ten, I think, or maybe right around ten million dollars. You look at the most money ever paid for a painting, and it's hundreds of millions. So, photography as an art form is certainly challenging in terms of of that, but uh, but then also in terms of uh, of your ability to take a picture that you think people will want to look at or look at, you know, every day and they, they'll hang it on their wall. And so it can be incredibly self doubt inducing, you know, it's, it, that's, it's gutsy to take that, to take that jump. But I think it produces good stuff and, 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 uh, when it works, it works. Do you find yourself, uh, like, do you find your photography changing based on, uh, being out at these, these uh, these events and selling your work and getting customer feedback directly. 
Absolutely. Um, we did a Main Street Arts Fest in Fort Worth this year. It was our first show. And, and I tell you, for a first show, you couldn't ask for a better opportunity because that is one of the biggest ones around. Certainly regionally, it's one of the largest, I believe, something like a half million people wander through that. And, and we had thousands of people come through our booth and, and look at our work and tell us what they thought. And and uh, and that was that was great in terms of of approaching how we self-edit our own work. We have tens of thousands of images in our catalog. I mean, we've been shooting for years and we've got just a tremendous amount of, of images. And how do you whittle that down to say 30 that you're going to put into frames and hang on the wall? And so that, that feedback is invaluable. Um, and I think seeing the other artists that, that there, you, you sort of learn uh, behind the scenes kind of thing. You sort of, you, you, we learned, you know, from Main Street that, for example, big prints sell here in Texas. And so where we showed up with relatively small pieces and, and didn't sell them like we had hoped, what we did see is that people that had uh, large prints and prints on canvas, those are the guys that were selling their work. And, and so, you know, we retooled a little bit and now, you know, we've got big prints too. So. Do you find yourself changing uh, what you do to, to sell those, those pictures? Well, it's it's an evolutionary process, that's for sure. Um, I think when we our our first thought, and it, and it's you know you can get advice from any number of people, and we got uh, a lot of advice from a lot of different people about doing these art shows. And one of the things that we were told early on is that if you do traditional darkroom black and uh, black and white prints, that people eat that up, or that it's easier to get into shows. And and we actually do that type of work, and we were you know real happy to hear that because we do work in traditional methods that we would have maybe a leg up when we showed up, that we would show up with these cool black and white pictures and people would, would uh, buy them and drove, you know, to be climbing over each other to, to rip them off the wall and, and run them home. And, and what we found is that uh, while that is a cool uh, way of doing things and, and we certainly dig the, the vintage vibe of that, a lot of people either couldn't tell that some of our work, which was printed digitally, but looked black and white, they couldn't tell the difference between that and the traditional stuff anyway and so i i think we we overshot uh how sophisticated uh maybe the average buyer was going to be um some more advice that we'd gotten on and i hope i don't offend anyone is that in texas uh pictures of things from texas uh tend to do very well where i think maybe uh more traditional uh ansel adam type things are, are maybe a higher degree of, of of fine art and i'm kind of you know sticking my nose up in here uh, maybe that does better up east. You know, this is advice that we've gotten from other people. And so, as we've rolled forward, we've we've tried to uh, work what we think people are, what the buying public is wanting, but to do it with our own style too. So, it, that's actually the fun part. You know, it's it's uh, after spending 15 years uh, uh, crunching numbers, uh, it's it's much more entertaining and interesting and fulfilling to to try and. Uh, uh, create something that people respond to uh, on an emotional level or at least on a uh, aesthetic level. So that's part of the fun. So before you, before you, you ventured out, you know, what did you think, what did you think it was going to be like? Well, I think as far as, as we're rolling forward with this, I think we're about where we thought we would be. And that's that we knew the first year would be largely about ramping things up and, and getting things going and, and getting, we had a lot of the equipment already, but we, you know, there were a few things that we still needed and, and we've acquired those over the last several months. So I think, you know, we were pretty pragmatic about it when we started. And I think we're tracking along where we thought we would be. 
Um, my partner, Aaron, has a, uh, a 17 year old daughter who just began her senior year of high school. And uh, so next May, she'll graduate and the following fall, we'll be off to college. And we knew that we wanted to travel the art show circuit, which means, you know, hopping in the car and you'll be gone for weeks at a time. And that's not practical when you've got a child that's got to go to school every day. So we knew that this first year, this first year and a half would be just doing local shows and, and ramping up and, and all that. And I think we're tracking along nicely on that. What was maybe surprising is the amount of uh, time spent not doing the business side of things, but doing the production side of things. It's tracking down uh, cost-effective framing and, and putting this stuff together. And I mean, it only takes, you know, one two fiftieth of a second to take a picture, but there might be 40 hours of labor involved in getting it from that original all the way to uh, a wire on the back and you can hang it on the wall. That's it's uh, time consuming. Uh, it seems to be never ending. What does your typical work day or work week look like? It's it's different every day. Uh, some days I'm stuck in front of the computer and I'm ordering supplies or I'm catching up on QuickBooks and, and uh, making sure the, the bills are getting paid. Other days I'll uh, be down at my studio. We do have a studio separate from our from our house, and I'll be down there and I'll spend the entire day developing film. We We have this bad habit of shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and letting um, our we have a bucket that we keep our un, our undeveloped film in and so it'll it'll build up to where we have 40 50 rolls and, and i'll have to spend a few days at the studio doing nothing but developing film we develop our own film um it'll you know i'll spend the day cutting mats you know it's, so it's 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 a different piece of the puzzle each day and every day is different uh and they're often long you know usually it's if i'm working one day i'm working all day it's you know i wake up and i work until i go to bed so it's it's certainly different than that forty hour work week job. <laughs> How much time do you spend on on the photography, the actual photography versus the running your business parts, the QuickBooks, the marketing, whatever else is involved? Oh, I haven't taken a picture since I became a professional photographer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We with with the fine art stuff, and since it is um, largely travel based, uh, we'll do these um road trips that last for about 10 days in a row and and we'll take two or three of those a year and uh and we'll cover 10,000 miles driving all over the place and, and we're shooting all day every day and so certainly when we're when we're out on those trips we're we're photographing a tremendous amount outside of that uh you know maybe once a week on a weekend we'll have some kind of shoot on a saturday we'll shoot uh a portrait from somebody we'll do sort of a fashion kind of thing or or we'll make it a point to go out to you know someplace local and, and shoot for half a day uh so we we do get to shoot you know once a week or you know twice in two weeks or something like that but certainly not uh, all day every day you know you mentioned before that you're spending the past uh year or so networking you know how has that paid off that if if i didn't have if we hadn't developed a um a somewhat ritualistic habit of networking every opportunity we got. I don't think we could have done what we're doing. Um, and it's, and it's, it's, it's sort of weird, the type of networking that you do. You would think that, for example, if you're a wedding photographer, that you would network with brides to be, you know, you'd, you'd want to be where potential clients are. And, and that's not, that's not the way it turned out for us. We started out networking with other photographers, um, Aaron and I have been in the Dallas Camera Club for a number of years, 
And one of the things that we do there as volunteers is coordinate their monthly photo competitions. Uh, one aspect of that was that every month, 10 months a year, uh, we've had to track down uh, area photographers, professional photographers, sometimes they're wedding photographers, sometimes they're studio photographers. But for the last two and a half years, once a month, we've had to track down a professional photographer and, and, and convince them to critique and go over and assign scores and you know run, judge the contest for you know 80 to 100 pictures. That that put us into direct contact with a wide variety of of professional photographers, uh, all of which have their own success story. And we, you know, we'd talk to them about it. We'd say, "Hey, you know, how how you know what is it like to be a professional photographer, and what's working for you, and you know, any advice?" And you know, we'd pump them all for advice, and we got tremendous feedback that way. We also got a tremendous amount of of editing ability. You know, you, you see hundreds and hundreds of other people's photos get beat up time and time again. And, and you sort of, and you hear the same things again and again, you sort of learn a lot about your own work and, and how to prepare it so that it'll, it'll have an impact on people. But so you, you network with photographers and, and, and I know a tremendous number of photographers, but then you start, you start meeting people that are connected to photography. You start meeting gallery folks and you start, you start work, building up a relationship with the camera shops and you start figuring out that, hey, this guy over here is the best place to go for framing. And so that networking starts spreading out and, and you find yourself also uh, with opportunities. People start coming to you. I, one, of my, one of my current best friends, and I share my studio with him, he, he found me through a mutual friend because, I'm, because Aaron and I are developing a reputation for being the... Uh, the vintage camera nuts in the Dallas area. And so when people have weird questions about vintage equipment, somehow, you know, our name uh, these days tends to come up. So networking uh, is something we do all the time. I mean, it's, but we, we definitely network more than we photograph. Let's see. You're hitting all of my, my follow-up questions. Thank you. That's pretty awesome. Oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just got to cross a few of them off here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So what do you see as the biggest hurdle ahead of you? Getting to the point where the things that we enjoy doing in terms of photography and, and, and being fine artists and, and creative individuals, we would really prefer for the things we enjoy doing most to be what sustain us. Um, in, in 2013 and going forward, uh, existing is, is expensive. Yeah, mortgage payments, you've got car payment. You know, it's it's not cheap to uh, uh, to maintain yourself, and it's it's gutsy to think that that or to hope that we can do that with just going out, taking pictures of cool stuff we see, putting in a frame, and and people giving us money for it. Um, the the uh, it's it's how far we have to slide towards making it back into a job. Uh, which we're, we're comfortable that we can do, but you know we're we're hoping to to keep things over in the in the passion realm, uh, firmly rooted in the passion realm uh, versus how far we have to slide towards uh, uh, turning it in, turning our passion into a uh, into a job. You know, a, a, a job. You know, that's 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 the biggest fear, easily. Yeah. So so other than than these festivals and shows, you know, are there other avenues for your sales? The now that the economy, the, excuse me, now that the economy is rebounding, um, and I watched the economy go up and down through the the real estate market, but now that things seem to be uh, brightening up a bit, I'm noticing 
an increase in the number of galleries that are uh, gearing themselves towards emerging artists and and a non-traditional uh, uh, approach to attracting uh, creative individuals like like myself. I think in the past, and certainly one of the things that you think, oh, I could never be a, a, a professional artist. I don't have an MFA. You know, I didn't go to school. I didn't go to art school. And, and I don't have uh, the pedigree to attract uh, real gallery attention. And whether or not that's true, I don't know. I think as I've aged, I've come to find that networking gets you those opportunities more than anything else. But despite that, I do believe that in the Dallas area and probably in other cities too, uh, there's a real, uh, a real desire to embrace uh, new talent and emerging artists. And there are a number of galleries in the Dallas area that, that do that. And I'm uh, really excited to see that I might be uh, attracting attention in that realm as well. So since you've started, you know, are there any any big big discoveries that you've had? Any aha moments like, oh, I need QuickBooks or, or anything like that as far as the business of your photography goes? The business side, I'm actually, I think uh, um, I've got a leg up over most. Um, way back in the day when I was a little kid, um, I, I was interested in, in two things. I was, I was very creative. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to grow up and be an art teacher. I thought that would be a way to get a paycheck and, and, and get to be an artist at the same time. Uh, but also happened to be pretty good at computers, and this is the late 80s, and everyone I knew was like, oh my God, if you're good with computers, for God's sakes, <laughs> put the art stuff aside and, and get yourself a, a computer job and you'll you'll succeed. And that's what I did. I went off to school and got a, a degree in uh, business computers from University of North Texas and landed a job uh, not doing computer science type programming, but doing business computing. Uh, I've I've written accounting systems and um, I've done a tremendous amount of work in the tax realm in terms of crunching down and whatnot. So I've actually got a really strong background and, and mindset for uh, business and, and the numbers of it. And so I don't think I was caught off guard by that aspect of it at all. Um, so that certainly wasn't the big surprise. And I think I knew going into it that networking was important. I think the biggest surprise uh, in terms of the business side was the amount of time uh, sifting through, not red tape, but just the the communicating with people to make things happen. And like I say, tracking down supplies. And a, I feel more like a uh, uh, an office manager at times than, than, a, than an artist, that's for sure. I have a question. Uh, you know, what's, what's the, the best and worst parts of being a small business owner? And I've, I've heard you say uh, the ordering frames twice. So I'm, I'm guessing that might be the worst part. <laughs> no, I tell you, the, um, the worst has to be time management. Um, the early days when I first um, stepped away from my eight to five, um, I was, you know, I was pretty good about getting up in the morning and I still am. I get up in the morning and, and I don't uh, sleep in too late. Uh, and I certainly have a, a strong work ethic, but working hard versus working hard, accomplishing or working hard efficiently and, and, and accomplishing something that you can build upon. It's real easy when you're, when you're working by yourself or when you're working, when you're running your own company to spend time uh, spinning your wheels and and that's something that you've got to uh that anyone has to arrest early on or or you'll find yourself with weeks have gone by and and you don't have anything to show for it and it's unique not unique but it, it is different than say the wedding photographer because i think that 
when you've got commissioned work where someone's paying you to go and do something and then you've got deliverables, that establishes a, a set uh, time scale and, and you've got to go out and do it and you've got to deliver the stuff and you get paid and, and then you move on to the next client. For us, you know, a lot of our stuff is we we go out and we take the you know take shots and go on these trips. We come back, we edit down, and and we decide which ones we want to try and sell. and And there's no deadline. I mean, there might be a show coming up, but it's it's easy to to lose track of of uh, the production time and and what it is that you need to accomplish by a certain date. So, do you, do you have any tactics for staying productive? Um. I don't know that it's anything that I could easily put into words. Um, I think I find myself, if I, it's it's a matter of of being self aware, if because uh, I've got a not a super obsessive compulsive uh, mindset, but I'll find myself spending too long trying to solve a problem that maybe doesn't need to be solved, or maybe I'm trying to solve it too perfectly in a in a. Uh, and a and a less graceful uh, solution would be the, the better thing to do to to move on down the line. So being self aware enough to know when I'm spinning off and and to get myself back on track uh, that's that that's an important aspect that I think anybody needs to to tackle. And it's and it's more difficult to do when you don't have a supervisor there to help you do it. You know, when you don't when you don't have a boss saying, "Hey, where are those reports?" Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're the one who's responsible for you know, checking off it was if it was a productive day or not, right? Oh, yeah. I tell you, the hardest thing is to convince yourself to take a day off. You feel super guilty when uh, if you don't do anything for an entire day, like, man, what what was it that I should have done today? You know, I'm, yeah, I've blown everything because I took one afternoon off. That's a that that is a common voice in your head. You've got to fight. <laughs> that's that's a common feeling. I've <laughs> I I know that feeling, and it's uh, a lot of people I've talked to say that they give themselves at least one day or two afternoons or two days and, and they, they start to put a little bit more structure. But, you know, a lot of those people have already established themselves and have already mm-hmm. gotten to a place where they, they, they have a little bit of a buffer or a cushion. And, you know, I dare to say during the beginning days when you're starting up trying to make a name for yourself, that's a lot harder to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's... Uh... Especially if you don't have, uh, if you're not in a situation where you've got a uh, a financial buffer to float yourself along. If I mean, if you if you were to take this um, uh, this dive, you know, doing this, and you don't have uh, a means to support yourself while you're not actually making the money, then yeah, that's God. That's I, I can't imagine the stress uh, involved in that. I'd still be data processing if I if I uh, or or dead with a heart attack. <laughs> If that weren't the case. So what's been the best advice given to you around the starting a business, around quitting your job? Uh, that's that's hard to say because it's been it's been little pieces of advice because uh, you get it from everywhere. And um, uh, it, it that's hard to say. Um, I think uh, at Main Street, we were we were speaking to another um, artist. He was a his thing was ceramics. And he said, uh, if you're going to stick with these shows, uh, you know, put your helmet on. And, and I think that that, uh, put into a handful of words, a, a, a strong notion that are a very important aspect of being a creative individual. And that's, you, you've got to have thick skin. You've, you've got to be, 
uh, such that you can, you know, go an entire day without selling anything at all. You know, you've got to be able to fail and not let it bother you in the short term. You know, you've got to be able to have people look at your work and go, you know what? I think you're terrible. And you go, okay, well, you have to let that roll off. And and, and having that thick skin um, or, or the advice to have that thick skin is certainly one of the uh, the best pieces of advice that we've ever gotten. What what advice would you give to those listening who are just starting out? Uh, be organized. Keep things. Uh, be organized about the entire uh, production uh, cycle. If that's wedding photography, if that's uh, seniors, um, if you're trying to be a, a, a freelance artist, uh, you've got to have a, a strong a sense of from beginning to end. You can't focus on just the middle. Unless you've got other people around you, they're going to pick up the slack. If you've got an administrative assistant that can do your bookkeeping, that's great. If you've got a professional service that can do your printing and framing, that's great. But if you're trying to do as much of it in-house as you can to keep uh, keep costs down, then you've got to you've got to have follow through. And that's follow through. I think is is uh, uh, the absolute. Uh, most important word uh, in any uh, cell phone business, photography or otherwise. You know, you mentioned uh, before with networking and and you know now with you know using the resources that are there. Have have you have you come across any uh, unexpected relationships that have benefited you? Something that you may not have seen studying out. Well, I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago uh, my buddy Justin, uh, who about a year and a half ago found us, like I say, through a mutual friend uh, in connection with um, an esoteric piece of of, of obsolete Polaroid equipment. Uh, instant film, right? That stuff is uh, still kind of around, and there are a few companies that are making films that still work in the old cameras, and and uh, I happened to have a given part that that he didn't, and and we met through a mutual friend. That turned out to be an absolutely fantastic, uh, not only uh, business opportunity in terms of sharing information and sharing capability, and and uh, working uh, in a situation where we could help each other in terms of our individual businesses, but also found uh, you know probably the best friend that I currently have. So that's uh, that's the kind of thing that you hope that networking will lead to, not only uh, business opportunity and financial security, but also to surround yourself with people that you genuinely enjoy being around. So where can people find out more about you and your business? Uh, we, we do have a website. That's uh, makeshiftphoto.com. And uh, we're probably most active on Facebook. So you know, certainly look us up there, and it's uh, facebook.com slash makeshiftphoto. And there's a link to that on our on our website. So. Steve, thanks for chatting with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And for those listening, you can find this podcast at roastedpepperstudios.com. Thanks for listening.